Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Living Free. Uh, on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Thanks to the Ruminations crew for another great show highlighting issues around homelessness. Uh, my name's Bill. Uh, we're talking about alcoholism, the family disease, and how a 12-step group like Alan Family Groups can make a real difference to the families. I'd like to welcome Maya to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi, Maya. Hi, Bill. Um, and she's going to share her experience of living with alcoholism and how Alan Family Groups has helped her to cope a little better. Um, so, first off, Maya, do you want to sort of talk about what your relationship is with the alcoholic um, and mm-hmm. something about yeah. how you came into Eleanor? Yeah, well, first of all, I didn't think I needed it. I thought that was for people who didn't cope well, and that certainly wasn't me. I thought I coped pretty well. Um, I'm the daughter of an alcoholic. My father left the family home when I was 13. And he had a, his work took, took him 500 kilometers away during the week. So he was only home on weekends, which I believe is why the marriage lasted so long. Because <laughs> we had the onslaught, onslaught of the, of the full blown disease every weekend. And my sister, my mother, the dog and I, um, yeah, survived in it. And yeah. I, I thought once he moved out, that was the end of it. And I thought, great, now I can have a real life. Now I don't have to fear anymore that I am being criticized, not getting the right answer in Latin. And that that was the legacy yeah. of my dad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess um, I'm also a child of an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. He um, He drank... I think he started drinking when he was about 14 and um, continued till he was about 84. Um, but his drinking was a, a real problem to me when I was growing up, um, particularly in my teens. Before that, I could cope with Dad's alcoholism. Uh, his drinking wasn't so much of a problem, but he he was hospitalised for a little bit and went on to painkillers uh, for a back problem. And that really made living with him really difficult because his um, behaviour and his moods were, when you combine the the drugs and the alcohol, um, were really very difficult to deal with. Um, And my family, I had two sisters and um, my two sisters moved out of home as soon as they could when work permitted and that really just left my mother and I and living with an alcoholic in an enclosed environment, in a house, is is not a pleasant experience for anybody. Yeah. So yeah. how did you find you know, coping with the family and you know, dealing with the alcoholic? Mm. I think one of the reasons why it was difficult for me to identify that was alcoholism is because my sister was just nasty and crazy because she was trying to get Dad to go to bed. And she never succeeded, but she kept doing it every weekend, 2, 3, 4 a.m. in the morning. I was listening to her cajole, trying to cajole them. And, uh, and mum and my sister were terrible warfare. So everybody was mad, but dad was only drinking. 
he wasn't really involved in the madness. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just thought, yeah, like your two sisters, let them. When I was 13, and my mom decided to get a divorce because my father was adamant that he didn't have a problem, and my mother said, well, I need to straighten this out because the kids are going down the gurgler. My sister was 17, so from the minute my mother said, I'm going to get a divorce, my sister abused my mother something real bad. Yeah. So it was crazy. The house was crazy. And I took refuge in the dog. I really did. And in my recorder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was mad. But I couldn't put it down to dad. No. Uh, well, that's that's often the thing with alcoholism. If if it, if an outsider looks in, because most, most often outsiders don't understand that there's a drinking problem in the house. An outsider's looking from the outside and it's very hard to tell who's who's the alcoholic or who's the disturbed one because mm. everybody's affected by the drinking and everybody has a different response and that response is very often anger and so there's lots of altercations and fights and yeah. uh, misunderstandings um and blame yeah huge blame <laughs> yeah so um yeah but i guess um what we probably should touch on is how what why did you decide to do something about it and look for something like Eleanor. Yeah. Well, I didn't look for it, to be honest. Um, I just uh, had trouble in relationships. Either I was domineering or I was submissive. But basically the long and the short of it is that I always ended up with somebody who wasn't available. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and girl, a girlfriend pointed me towards this when I was yet again on the phone crying my woos and she said I feel like I've heard that before <laughs> <laughs> and I really I thought mm. I was I thought this is a really unique problem here so I couldn't see it but I was I was yeah I knew that I just couldn't get it right and that's the legacy you know I, I just got a brain back to where I was a minute ago dad I couldn't see it so much in dad but the legacy of of just not ever getting it right with dad really has quite shattered my confidence. So I don't have, I had to realize that my decisions aren't well for me. They're yeah. not useful. They're not rational, yeah. No. Yeah. And it's, so yeah, it's, it was difficult to see. It was difficult to see. And I saw the sign of Alanon in St. Kilda for years before I, before I um, came to the rooms, I, I read a book. The title just, you know, jumped at me, and it was set in the culture of AA and Al-Anon in New York City. It was a criminal, you know, a thriller. And of course, when you have blackouts and alcoholism, there's lots of lots of material. So it was very good read and entertaining, written by a psychologist. So and that's how I felt. Oh my God, these are cool people. And I <laughs> went to Al-Anon. <laughs> Yes. Um, yes, I didn't. I'd never heard of Alan either. I'd heard of AA, and um, I went to an AA meeting first, and they suggested I go to Alanon. But I, I heard about AA. I think it was on. There was a TV program called Number Ninety Six, and that had a segment that had an alcoholic in it who went to a, who caused havoc and went to AA. And so I knew about AA. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's not a lot known about help for families of you know drug addicts or alcoholics. But um, there is, you know. It is available. Yeah, it is available. But many of us just say, "Well, he's not confessing; he's an alcoholic, so there's nothing I can do." 
And so the, the, the denial that we get to learn about in this program yeah. is just, it's still with me, you know. That's yeah. why I need to go keep going to the grooves to keep myself on check. Because yeah. I can tell myself, finally, I've grown out of it. Finally, I'm over the legacy of the horrible family. I'm not as sick as you guys anymore. You yeah. know, it can <laughs> it creeps up on almost everybody. Yeah. So it's a very humbling but beautiful admission to say... I wish I wish I could have some support. Yeah, that's right. And asking for help is often very difficult for people who've come out of a, a denial household where you can't admit well you can't admit there's anything wrong with you because it'll be used against you internally and you can't tell anybody else because they won't understand. And so you know, children of alcoholics are caught in this terrible bind of not being able to communicate well with others. And you don't make very many close friendships because you can't bring your friends home. You know, it's a, yeah. It, yeah, it's, <laughs> I know. it's a difficult place. Yeah. Um, but coming into Alan, for the first time, it's a safe place to talk to other people about my problem so I can get it in, into perspective. And one of the things that I found coming in was that um, my problem wasn't quite as bad as a lot of other people who were there. And just listening to their stories meant that I got a lot of... I guess, understanding for the fact that my life wasn't that difficult, but each person's response to the alcoholic is you know, unique. And so my father was a bit intimidating. He was, he was um, physically imposing, but he never, he never hit me, whereas other people, you know, their alcoholics hit them or they damaged the house or they damaged the car. Dad didn't do any of those things mm. to, to a large extent, but... His, you know, the the emotional impact is really strong. So, did you find, you know, similar things in your house? Yeah, yeah. I was a middle class <laughs> household, so everything was there, and no, no violence, no physical violence. But yeah, the the under the underpinning of dissatisfaction and malcontent was ever present. So it had a really erosive effect. Yeah. 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 Um, so talking, um, yeah, so Al-Anon's a, a safe place to, for people to come to talk about their problem and to, to basically understand their problem. And one of the things that I learned when I came in was that the alcoholic is not the problem. So the Can alco- you say that again? <laughs> yeah. So the alcoholic is not the problem. Mm. It's my response to the alcoholic that's the problem for me. So my dad didn't have a drinking problem. I had a problem with his drinking. Mm. And so it was how, how I reacted to his drinking that was, was a problem for me. I, I couldn't accept it. I couldn't tolerate it. And I got angry. Yeah. And that meant that my life was, you know, yeah. was really difficult. And his life was, well, his life was just his life. Yeah. He wasn't really caring too much about all the others. He was just looking about after number one. Yes. And coming to Alan, I realized that I needed to do something about the way I I looked at his yeah, drinking. Yeah. 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 So similar experiences for oh, you? Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's such a turnaround from, from the thinking I had, you know, obsessively practiced for 40 years of my life. Yeah. If only, if yeah. only, if only. And that's, that's the mantra all my family members were on as well. You know, my mum said, well, once his mother dies, I'm sure he'll pull up his socks. No, no. <laughs> so, yeah. But it is so it is so subtle and so well hidden. The disease really hides well. Yep. So therefore, for us to be able, 
uh, and sit in a room. I think even before I was able to talk about my problems, I was just aghast that people were sharing what's really going on without saying, oh, no, 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 I don't think you really felt this. Oh, oh, it couldn't possibly have been this bad. Oh, really? You're still not over this? Oh, you know, people weren't talking like this. So people were given the dignity to share their experience, which is one thing that was not what was happening. And it used to make me very angry that I didn't even, wasn't even given, you know, my own feelings. I wasn't allowed to have them. What is this? (laughs) And um, so identifying that, oh, wow, wow, I'm not alone. I, this, is not, this is not just crazy. It's a disease. I'm, I'm faced with a disease that, that nobody has a name for until I came into the room. Yeah, yep. <clears throat> um, and I, the other thing was um, just being able to talk about it and to put it into my own words and try to articulate to somebody else it meant that it made much more sense once I'd listened, sort of listened to myself tell the story, yeah. which I couldn't tell to anybody else before. In fact, I'd tried to tell one of my really good friends and he just said, look, everybody's father drinks. You know, yeah. like, what's the problem? Yes. And, and I realised at that point that people didn't understand the difference between drinking and alcoholism, yes. uh, which is, you know, is, a major, <laughs> is a major issue yeah. for families of alcoholics because not only are they denying it, denying it's happening but other people sort of just deny that can't be happening yeah you know and and really that's that's really shuts the family down yeah yeah Yeah. and those hiding places my father hid behind his academic titles his accolades yeah but he can still be an alcoholic and at the end of the day he did lose his post due to drinking but in his eyes it wasn't due to drinking it was something else which you know you're welcome to ask him i'm not interested (laughs) But I, I come to Alan on now, as you said as well, to, to find out, well, how can I, how can I gain clarity of what it is I was up against? And how can I make sense of the situation in my life I'm in? How can I make sense about shying away from academic pursuits? And it, yeah, it shows because I've been criticized relentlessly <laughs> so that is the that is the damage of alcoholism yep. you know yep. just to and there is no guilty party because my father had an illness but i thought he was the guilty party and i thought he was taking the easy way out to not ever say yeah i'm sorry i ne- never told you that you're doing good yeah couldn't no so it's so well yep. hidden yep. so if it's well hidden to us and the alcoholic no wonder it's well hidden to my friends and, you know, my aunt and well-meaning uncle who say, they're there, I'm sure you've yep. got it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we might just jump to a, a song. Um, and this one is called uh, This Tension hmm. by Johnny Marr. Uh, welcome back. Uh, you're listening to um, 3CR and Living Free Show. That's 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on your digital radio. That was This Tension by Johnny Marr, which was one of... Maya's favourites. Do you just want to say something about why why you Ooh, like it? <laughs> why did I like it? Well, I just went to a concert and ah, I just love the old UK <laughs> rock. Yeah, yeah. Having grown up in Europe, I uh, yeah, I do. Right. Uh, so um, you may be aware, but um, we've had a radiothon in June. 
and I'm pleased to be able to let you know that 3CR has raised $210,000 towards their $220,000 wow. target. Um, and thanks to your generosity, that means we can get on with presenting you gr- with great radio for another year. Woohoo! Congratulations. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it is good. Okay, so I'm joined in the studio today with, by um, Maya, and Maya's a member of Alaron Family Groups, and we're talking about life and living with alcoholism and how Alanon's helped us cope with yeah. the alcoholic. Yeah, and life after alcoholism. <laughs> because it, much to my surprise, it didn't end with, you know, the alcoholic moving out. It kept going, it kept with me, and even though I moved 22,000 kilometers away, it was still with me. Yep. And that came as quite a shock. Yeah, yeah, it does. We we take ourselves with us, um, and we don't realize how much of the, the disease the disease of alcoholism, um, we carry with us. And that's the, the family component. And that's, you know, mm. that we, when you grow up in an alcoholic family, you, you don't realise that you're, you're picking it all up, you, you're taking it all in. And what works well in an alcoholic family doesn't work well in the community. No, no, it really doesn't. It, and it's, it's, uh, it's tricky. I've, uh, so I've been going for quite a number of years now to Al-Anon and yet I'm just this week stunned by a revelation that um, you know I consider myself quite confident and straightforward and yet I have a solid sense of hopelessness in some areas in my life you know and it, I didn't realize it was there but it's in how I avoid to tackle things that I find challenging I avoid it and leave it to the last minute, and then I produce a mediocre result, <clears throat> and thus do the you know self fulfilling prophecy. So it's it's annoying me, but at least for the finally I see it. <laughs> so that fills me with some hope that I can do something about it. But yeah, there is I find there is a fair bit of work involved in in getting um, investigating my thinking and how I make those things myself because my the alcoholic in my life is long gone. There's nobody who can put my life out of order except for me. Yeah. And I really do do that. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah, so our thinking becomes distorted by trying to force solutions and that's part of living with an alcoholic. It's, it's, it's always about control. Someone's trying to control me and I'm trying to control them. And part of the um, 12-step recovery program is about, you know, step one is about letting go of control. It's acknowledging that something's, there's something bigger than me happening that I've got no control over. Yeah. And that's important mm. to realise that so that I can get on with doing something about my life um, rather than trying to stop someone else doing something about mm. theirs. Mm. Yeah. yeah. When I first came into the rooms, one of the daily readers is called Courage to Change. And I thought, yeah, that's a bit of a slogan, whatever. And now only, only now, you know. Oh, yeah, it does take courage because in order for me to readdress that issue of hopelessness, I've got to do things differently. And in my thinking and my distorted thinking, the avoidance keeps pain away. Mm. And I want to keep pain away. But I'm also keeping good stuff away. So it's getting more um, discerning in those those black and white decisions I had made, but um, yeah, it takes courage. Yeah, because I've I've practiced these behaviours and they're 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 me. Yeah, <laughs> they're ingrained. That's right. Um, one of the uh, sort of Alan has a few little slogany 
things, and one of them is um, the three C's, which is I didn't cause mm. it, I didn't cause the alcoholism, I can't cure the alcoholism, and I can't control it. And that's really, you know, that's, that's an amazing issue to face when you come in because the whole life has been about trying to manipulate the alcoholic to do to do something or to stop doing something mm. and basically you're told that you know you're powerless you yeah. can't you can't do that yeah and especially something so reasonable dad if only you, you would stop drinking we would have the money we wouldn't have to fear being impoverished you wouldn't have to have these terrible relationships you wouldn't have to have everybody on your back wouldn't that be great but it's not that simple no no the alcoholic can't change um unless they want to and getting the the desire to want to is is really a personal thing it's the same thing for us that um i i wouldn't have changed what i was doing until i became aware that it wasn't working yeah i kept thinking yeah. it would it would work next time i'd yes. do the same thing and it would work my father would listen to me something would change but yeah. then i realized that it's not going to happen and you know that that i was living in a dream i know and, <laughs> It's quite bizarre coming into the program and realizing that, yeah, I still had the disease had still held me hostage, even though it was all internal. Yep. I was just so accustomed to surviving and making do and looking after you, still hoping that you'd take care of me, blah, blah, blah. It's just such old garbage. But, um, yeah, unless we shed a light on it and hear it from somebody else. Because it's so much easier to see in somebody else. So that's why I love going to the group meetings because I can see in somebody yeah. else easily. And then I can see, oh, my God, I actually do do that myself. Yes, yeah. And the other good thing about coming to meetings is that you see people come in who who are trying, you know, they can't, the reason why people come to Alan is to try and stop the alcoholic drinking. And eventually they realise that that's pointless, the whole trying thing. But they realise that, they can actually do something about their own lives and things can change because they're willing to look at it differently. And, mm. and I think part of that for me was realising that Dad was an alcoholic, that his drink, he couldn't manage his drinking and that if I was fighting the fact, it was a bit like fighting cancer from the outside, that I couldn't do anything from outside him. Yeah. And it was really up to him to want to do something but I had to, I guess, give him the respect that he was a person suffering from a disease and, you know, it wasn't going to change quickly mm. Mm. and me being angry and resentful against him wasn't doing anything to make the situation better and that I could stop yeah. being such a, a dickhead, really, and just, you know, back off and look at, yeah. stop criticising him. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. The three C's, I wonder how my family life would have been if if us three women, my sister, my mum and I, had knowledge that we didn't cause it, that we can't control it, and that we can't cure it. I mean, that's all we tried to do, that I was trying to figure out what I'd done wrong. Yep. Oh, maybe if I learn more and I get a get a better mark, maybe he'll he'll have a dry weekend. I mean, that's insane to think that way. But it was quite logical in my head. So we none of us knew this. We didn't have an inkling. I mean, my sister literally spent years trying to get him to bed. Yes. <laughs> so it's, 
It's um, and none of us would have said, "Yeah, we're practicing some insane, insane behavior at home." We all would say, "No, we're really responsible. We're doing the best we can to keep it all together." But keeping it all together is actually not helping. No, that's right. And and the best the best that I could muster was what I'd learnt in the family, which clearly wasn't working. You know, yeah. <laughs> but no, nothing was working. So everything that I tried as a as a child and a young adult didn't work because I was trying things that were proven not to work because we're living in that situation. Um, Yeah, yeah. and also we get into this blurry, blurry situation of having no boundaries. So nobody has any any authority over anything. It's all one mesh of codependency and, and bribing and manipulating. Yep. So there is... So when we've, yeah, I, I love the saying that our backs were on fire and we didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, when I see my dad now, which is quite amazing, I mean, I still have to pinch myself that I actually have a relationship with him and that he loves me, you know. I didn't know that. I was convinced for decades he doesn't love me. But um, he totally loves that I'm off his back, that I'm no longer, yeah. come on, dad, admit it, admit it, dad, dad. <laughs> So he really, he really can just be. He relaxes in my presence, and that's that's a gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. And, and I, I found the same thing with my father. That once I stopped trying to change him, he was quite happy, you know, to be friendly towards me. Whereas before, it had been always adversarial. Yes. That um, he saw me as you know a young, you know, out of control person, um, just because I went to university. And just because my hair was a little bit longer than his hair, which is very short, um, he sort of saw me as as being radical. And um, and I guess my attitude towards him was was one of, you know, that I knew more than he did, that I knew what he should be doing. Yes. And he was, I don't know, 30, 36 years older than me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's really crazy when you think about it. But giving him the respect... And part of the respect thing for me now is is about allowing him to be himself, drunk or sober. Yeah. It doesn't what he does doesn't affect me. Yes. Um, and that meant that I could have a you know, I could talk to him and he wanted to talk to me, yeah. whereas before we didn't want to see each other at all. Yeah. And that was a real bonus. So my kids had a grandfather, whereas before they that would not have been possible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know, it's a real gift. Yeah. Yeah. Because part of this illness is also the isolation. And that is really being practiced in both sides of my family. For example, when I had a fallout with my grandmother, she just exiled me. I wasn't to see her for another eight years and I only met her once again before she died. I mean, that's sad. That's that's eight years of a... And we were close. But, you know, where denial is, is a holy cow in the family, you, you're really treading... On thin ice, and chances are, if you say something, or you're 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 seeking, or you're investigating, yeah, you get sent to exile. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the thing that I learned too was about the fact that I needed to fix my primary relationship first, and yes. that was with the alcoholic, the one that was the most broken. I had to look at first. Yeah. And doing that was was really good for me, because it it meant that it took the pressure off us both. I didn't have to do anything I didn't have to do anything about my father 
I just had to allow him to be himself, and that was that mm-hmm. that fixed the, the problem. But once I did that, then that put me at odds with my mother because she thought I was going over to Dad's side yes. because we always um, what colluded against Dad because of his drinking, and yep. so just Easy. by doing that, it meant that I then had this standoff with my mother because she she thought I was on his side, and you know it's very hard to. You know, to to satisfy both parties, both mm. parents, um, and I found that a very difficult situation. But I found that what I had to do then was to practice the same thing with my mother, who wasn't a drinker, mm. as I had with my dad, and just respect the fact that they can't, you know, that they don't see alcoholism as a problem. Yeah. But I do. Yeah. And so I was sort of separate from them, but able to have a good relationship with both of them independently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it does cause issues when you, when you start to change yourself. Yes. Yes. The family system is really unstable. Yeah. We stay destabilize it and, and, and yeah, we, we come from this paradigm. Well, it's either him or me, you know, the mother, my mother did the same when I first started having contact with dad, I felt like on trial, I had to justify myself why I'm doing this yeah. and it's, but now that she's, you know, she had to grow up with me in seeing, oh, no, I'm still her mother and she's still close to me. And that's, but this is the whole thinking, the, the, between the black and white that we have to uncover and that yep. is still to be explored because alcoholism doesn't live there. It's either black or white and it's, it can't be anything else because I've never explored anything else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's it's very difficult to get away from that polar opposites that you're either right or you're wrong, yeah. you're good or you're bad, um, into this sort of continuum where you know people are righter, righter than wronger, and you know gooder than badder, and that sort of stuff. Where you're not you're not the worst thing in the world if you do one thing. Yeah. You just that thing wasn't particularly good, so you sort of get over that. But um, yeah, it, it's it's getting back to that sort of thing that. You're actually okay, but you don't realise you're okay because of the feedback you're getting. You keep getting this yeah. negative feedback in mm. the family. And so you always feel inadequate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, realising that the problem is alcoholism, the family disease, means that the problem is not me. It's it's what I'm living with. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah I, I'm puzzled as to how so much negativity can take hold in a family you know I mean I it was easy for me to absolutely discredit my dad because he was an alcoholic he never made no sense and and then it went down the line my my sister for whatever reason discredited me so none of us were actually being given the dignity of being people we were just it was so harsh Mm. and still is it's 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 an absolutely toxic environment, and we all we tried is to just scramble to the to the surface and you know dunk the other person. It's get some air first, then dunk the other yeah, person. Yeah, 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 yeah. But none of us, none of us, really, when push comes to shove, respect each other really on a on a on a on a curious, inquisitive level. It's it's um, so much to learn. So I am really glad that I get to learn these things in the rooms of Alanon because 
there's so much more to human relationships than my family had suggested, and I'm pleased that I get to find that out. Because quite frankly, I could have gone on on my not so merry but supposedly merry way in between these between these polars of either I'm getting one into you or you're getting one into me. Yep, not pleasant. So you're listening to 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on your digital radio. Um, we're also streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Uh, we're talking about living with alcoholism and how Alan and family groups can help and... Um, Maya, the 12 steps are something that um, most people in 12-step programs are very familiar with. But in essence, um, they're about realising that my life's under my control, but I can't control it. And I think um, step one um, is about the fact that I'm powerless over others that I can't and my life's a bit out of control. And it, it's all about, to me, it's stopping trying to control other people. Mm-hmm. So do you, how, how do you react to step one and what does it mean for you in, in you know, I guess, addressing the, the mm. issues that alcoholism bring into, into the home? Yeah. Step one to me is the... Um, lost, lost the word I just had a minute <laughs> ago. The real turnaround. It's the, it's the deal breaker of... of what I've been thinking. So step one, yeah, it, it's, it's radical. So it's the gateway to recovery because if I, don't, if I don't admit that my doing is just not working, there is no, there, I, there is no step two, three, four, et cetera for me. Yeah. So, and yet it is so contrary to what I've been thinking. So it's quite a 180-degree turn, which uh, people come in and, what? No, I'm not, I'm not a drinker. I'm not powerless over alcohol. But I'm powerless over effects that someone else's drinking has on me. I am, and I always will be, uh, you know. Or I, I, will, I will be powerless over how much they drink, always. Yep. And then I will, once I acknowledge that, I can humble myself enough to learn ways of looking after myself better. And, you know, understanding that personal boundaries are the cornerstone of mental health. And if they choose to do what they do, I need to give myself the, um, the privilege to also choose what I, what's good for me. Yeah, it's about choices. That's right. Um, I, I didn't realise I had so many choices when I came in. I thought I had to do things. I had yes. to. I had yes. to react to what the alcoholic was doing. I had to try and stop them doing something, yeah. or try and force them to do something. I didn't realise that I didn't really have to do anything at all. I could. Just, I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're sitting both here smiling because yeah. the relief is quite something else. Yeah, to experience. Yeah, that. it's often called the weight off the shoulders. So you yeah. no longer feel burdened by this thing that you can't really explain and you can sort of understand that, oh, yeah, that's, that's how it happens. That's, that's the mechanism. And once you understand the mechanism, you can very easily back off from the alcoholic and let them get on with their life. Yeah. But then I've got to go on with mine and I've left, I've left my life so long looking, looking after mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I've left it for so long that I'm not very good at it. Yes. And that's, that's the next thing we face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It- it is quite surprising, but yeah, I find that exactly, Bill. 
that I suddenly, oh my God, I can't hide behind behind you and your messiness. I have to look after. Oh my God, I I I. Oops, I do have messiness here. Ooh. <laughs> and I'd give anything not to attend to it, but I have to. I'm an adult. Yeah, and I can't blame you anymore. That once I realized that I'm powerless, uh, I can't blame you for my actions. Yeah. And I realized that, yeah, I'll have to do something about my reaction. I've, I need to make sure that the way I approach the situation doesn't make it worse. Because yes. I, I would most often make it worse because I was angry. Yes. You know, I wanted to get back at that person for what they'd done. And that's a really, you know, that, that influences your life dramatically. Mm. Um, it does, and it gives us space to take a breath rather than just knee-jerk. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. I, I used to think I had to do something. I just had to do it, but I realised that I don't have to do it and that that's a, that's a real, that's a blessing. I can just... And some some listeners might shake their head and say, "Like, no, 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 guys, you, 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 I have to, I have to attend to this because all otherwise the bill won't get paid or whatever." And yes, we've that's true. Sometimes that'll ha- that's what's going to happen. But we're told not to stand in the way of a crisis if a crisis is to happen because possibly that is what is needed. You to know, get the alcoholic to yeah, wake up to themselves yeah. about the issue not that, that they face. Yeah, but, but just first of all to seeing, well, is it my business or is it not my business? That's mm. already giving us a lot of leeway and saying, no, hang on a minute, maybe I won't pick you up because it's really not convenient for me. I know it would be very convenient for you, and I have always done this in the past, but really I'm done, I'm tired. Yeah, I don't have to continue doing what yeah. I used to do. Yeah, that's... yeah. And I have lots of choices. I can choose to do anything I like. I can choose to have a life of my own, which I I always felt compelled to be part of the family and part of what was going on, and I resented that deeply. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so step step two's about you know believing that there's something outside, something that something else that can help. It doesn't depend on me. I think is the the thing that I take from step yeah. two that there's something out there that can help me, whether that's a person or a group or a or a spiritual concept. It's just that it's no longer only me, mm-hmm. and that's a really good feeling. Yeah, it doesn't depend on me anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it's not that I'm not enough, not don't know enough to solve this problem, but I'm not just not meant to solve it. It's just not. It's a mismatch. Yep. You know, me trying to solve this problem. So. Therefore, there is a there is an intelligence that makes life happen, and that obviously it's there because otherwise life wouldn't be, and the wonderful things that we do get to experience wouldn't be either. So, I I'm starting to trust that there is something that is has got an overview that I'm just not privy to, and uh, so yeah, I'll keep it simple and get that connection happening and I do I did miss that I did miss that and I remember when I was little and my father would yell at me because I was being hysterical yeah right um so I was being sent into my room and and I would it was actually the best for me to be sent into my room because in my own in the solitude of my own company I could self-soothe and I could you know I would get into a more positive mind frame I a lot of it was also trying to figure out a plan how to run away. But, <laughs> but you know, there is some self-soothing. And that's today, that's, that 
those humble beginnings make up part of, you know, this power greater than myself that I have come to form a relationship with. Yeah. And it feels good not being... I'm not in control of the world. Um, I don't have to manage all those things that I thought I had to manage. I can relax and I can just be me. Yeah. I don't have to have a an answer for everything and I don't have to have an excuse for Even everything. though the disease tries and tell me, well, if you knew that, you would be good or, you know, don't you even know that? Yeah, I don't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if the world opens up and swallows me whole. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the, the gap between knowledge and understanding, that once, once I understood how alcoholism worked in the family, I was able to do something about it. Yeah. But without the knowledge, I couldn't figure it out for myself. Absolutely, no. absolutely. And it's, it's, it is this process of the 12 steps that, that has armed me with such good tools to go put myself back into the alcoholic situation and his wife. And I was amazed to find what I've learned in the program. So I, I went in like a researcher, honestly. Yeah. And, and when, my, when my stepmother attacked me for, being, for not divulging gossip about the family, she accused me of being careless and, and heartless. And, and I just had drew on my Al-Anon experience that, yes, that is to be expected. If I pull out of the game, there will be repercussions and yeah. they're not pleasant i mean why would she attack me it doesn't make sense but having the knowledge of how this op disease operates it did make sense mm. yeah. that was really really wonderful and then i could remove myself while she was trying to abuse me and an hour later i would come back and we'd have a meal together and i wouldn't broach it and it's just one of those things that is part of the illness yeah it's one of the symptoms and i really came to be quite comfortable in being around that. I mean, not comfortable. It's, it's exhausting because I need to be on guard and not take the bait. But it is possible. And it's very rewarding because I have I've become a trustworthy family member yeah. outside of this craziness. So, yeah, wonderful lessons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is that I didn't realize that there's a thing called ABC, absence, blackout, compassion, that I didn't realize that I could just absent myself from things, mm -hmm. that I could just go and, you know, make a cup of coffee or, you know, take the dog for a walk. I always felt I needed to be present and I realized that I didn't have to be present anymore, that if I didn't, if I wasn't coping with the situation, I could absent yeah. myself and just go and do something that I enjoyed doing and that was a great relief yes. too gives you time to think, uh, it gives you time to get things into perspective again, and um, that's that's really great. It, it helps the mental state enormously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. I can I can leave the situation. I actually don't have any chains and balls on my feet. I can get up and leave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet. Yeah. Um, the other one was looking at, my own self-care I used to sort of push myself to exhaustion trying all these trying to manipulate mm. the family mm. trying to manipulate the situation in such a way that it would something would work positively and often it rarely did um, but I was often hungry I was often angry I was often lonely and I was often tired and that didn't bring out the best in me either so I think the other one was, you know, I started to look after myself a bit more. I gave mm. myself a bit more rest. 
and thought about myself instead of trying to think about the mm. situation. So I was I was less obsessed with what was happening in the family. Yeah. And I was more conscious of what I needed to do. So I wasn't part of the problem. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I found going to meetings slowed me down enough to find out what it is I needed for myself. And um, uh, just like you say, to absent myself. So to absent myself from the craziness and to get into the rooms. There's quite a bit of serenity, I feel, when I come to an Al-Anon meeting. So and then I can, because my family can't give me the validation I need for my emotional well-being, but I can get this in Al-Anon. And then I find quite an organic process of, oh, yeah, this is what I actually would like for dinner. So I go shopping for that. And, you know, the, like, things become orderly without anybody ordering my life. But just by me, yeah, exposing myself to to the stress-free environment of being, you know, being in serenity and, and truth-telling. I mean, mm. it's radical truth-telling, really. Yeah. And uh, at, at, with my fam- family of origin, I can't get those things. I can't. I can't get an emotional connection to the same degree where I feel liberated. Mm. I mean, it's it might sound all very uh, airy fairy, but it's I get healing in these rooms. I really do, mm. and that's why it's easy for me to keep coming back. Yes, <laughs> yes. What I also found was, as as you said, I didn't know what I liked. I was always happy to fit in. And often I didn't have a – I had an opinion on lots of things, <laughs> but I couldn't tell people what I liked. And yeah. that was yeah, a sad indictment on a, on a life lived, I think. Okay, well, we're heading towards the end of the show. Um, so I think we'd better start the wrap-up process. If you're interested in Al-Anon family groups or if you think Al-Anon could help you, they have a helpline, which is 1-300-252-666, or you can go to their website, which is alanon.org.au. So that's all we've got time for today. So thanks for listening to Living Free again. I'd like to say thanks to my guest, Maya, for sharing her Al-Anon recovery experience. My pleasure. Thanks for having me in the studio, Bill. Pleasure. Uh, so stay, stay tuned now for Black Noise Radio, uh, hosted by Black Betty and featuring Black News and Views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Uh, we'll see you all next week when we'll be talking to John and Brenda from Alaron Family Groups again, um, who will share their experience of recovering from alcoholism and how Alaron and Alateen have helped them.